Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Avengers Age of Ultron. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going all the way back to 2015 to talk about the second Avengers movie. And to talk about it, we have a special guest, Jamie Jarak. She is a staff writer for ComicBook.com and a host for the Phase Zero podcast. Jamie, welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. Oh, my gosh. I'm very excited to talk because, and I don't say this dismissively because I think I'm one, too. uh, You are the rare breed of a true fan of Age of Ultron. So I'd love to just start off and and just to give a a spoiler warning here. I'm sure everybody who's listening has probably seen it uh, several times, probably after every episode of WandaVision. You flipped right into it and got right into watching Age of Ultron in fall. But if you didn't, go watch the movie. Come back. We're going to go full spoilers. But, Jamie, to start off, tell me about your first experience watching Age of Ultron. Wow. So now today is actually four years that I've been working at comicbook.com. And so the last four years, my life of like knowing what's coming in a Marvel movie is very different than it was seven (laughs) years ago. Seven (laughs) years ago, I did not know who was going to be in the movie. I didn't I I didn't know a lot. And I will tell you that I did not know Elizabeth Olsen was playing Wanda. And I grew up the biggest Mary-Kate and Ashley fan. I was a part of the official (laughs) Mary-Kate and Ashley fan club. Um, wow. Those and, are her last famous sisters, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, I didn't even recognize her throughout this movie. But I will tell you what happened. Uh, uh, I realized I was bisexual, um, and that's not a joke. Age of Ultron from this movie. Yes. Wow. Uh, hey, Ultron, awesome. In Age of Ultron, made me realize I was queer. And like at twenty, I was twenty-five, and like looking back on my life. How did it take 25 years for me to <laughs> figure that out? Uh, but it was literally this movie. So this movie is very special for me just wow. for that. Yeah. Wow. Elizabeth Olsen is my favorite uh, actor. I, I've seen every movie she's ever made. I love her deeply now. Um, but that aside, my my sexual awakening aside, uh, thanks to her in this movie, <laughs> Uh, it's, it, it is, I genuinely, it is my favorite Avengers movie of all four Avengers movie. I know that wow. is not a popular opinion. Uh, I, I love James Spader and his Ultron yeah. is m- my favorite villain aside from Wanda in Doctor Strange. Right. Cause that's Wanda. That um, I, yeah. uh, I, he's scary. He's funny. He's everything you want in a villain. Uh, I, I uh, Jimmy Spades is what I, every time he comes on screen, that's what I shout. <laughs> um, I, I'm not anti Bruce Nat. I like their arc. Uh, I like everything that people don't like about this movie. I enjoy. Um, I like the action. Uh, I, I just, everything about it, I, it just makes me so happy. It's like my comfort movie of the MCU. I have, I would rank it third in all of the MCU for myself, but it is probably the movie I've watched the most. Well, uh, I so, gotta yeah, know, wait, now I gotta know what's above it because it seems uh, like this is the top. How is it third? Uh, number one is WandaVision. Yeah, I was gonna say, okay, okay, any okay, other okay. Wanda related. Yeah. Okay, okay, <laughs> so it goes WandaVision yeah. and then. And two is the, the basic Winter Soldier. I mean, Captain America Winter oh, Soldier is just wow. okay. a flawless nice. movie. Wow. You can't, yeah. like, you can't, I mean, I watch Ultron more, but it's not better than that movie. I'm not that <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> That's I awesome. love that so much. I love that story. That's amazing. I, I'd love to hear from you guys also. I, I, I imagine you had exactly the same experience as Jamie <laughs> watching. Uh, yep. I uh, took the words right out of my mouth. Um, well, you know what? In rewatch, I know this movie gets, everyone makes fun of this movie. Um, in the whole run of these uh, movies and rewatching it, I was like, you know what? There's a lot to really like about 
about it. I think the the parts that just feel like that everyone glommed onto for not liking are the complexity of trying to connect the Mind Stone to Ultron and make that one story. Because that stuff is like sort of chatty and a little bit working at cross purposes to the rest of the very easy, breezy, chill movie that this this is like the best hangout Avengers movie. I think it feels the most like a comic book from the opening sequence to the dinner party. It feels like you're just opening up a comic book and reading a randomly numbered. It's not a number one. It's not a like huge crossover Infinity Gauntlet. It's like Avengers 124 or something like that. And, and so like I really enjoyed the rewatch. Hmm. Wow. And, and just to mention, sorry, and then I'll kick it over to you, Pete. I think this is the only Avengers movie where they do hang out, right? Like you have ah. the first Avengers movie is them getting together and figuring out how to be a team. The second Avengers movie, they're actually a team. And then they're broken apart by Civil War. Then you get into Infinity War and Endgame. And it's all about like them in different configurations, figuring out how to get back together to this end point where you have Thor, Captain America and Iron Man finally together fighting Thanos. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're right on the money with that. It's the only one that actually does feel like that comic book. Pete, what about you? Well, I got to say, like, after all we we know has happened, it's such a nice feeling to kind of go back here, you know, before Wanda kind of uh, goes off a little bit. And uh, there's a lot of things that happen. So it's kind of a magical sweet spot for them as a team. So it's kind of nice to go back to. Um but I, for me, I kind of uh, have the opposite reactions to uh, old Spader. Like he plays the creepiest person that I every time I see him, I'm like, this guy's a fucking creep. Like, how is he getting work? That's he what you so want. Creepy. Yeah. Like, who gives him jobs? Like, leave this creep alone. Like, it, it, wait, <laughs> now you're attacking James Spader, the man. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He's so good at being creepy. I can't deal with him. In things like I just I'm just like, oh, like get this guy away. Wow. So it's he's hard for me to watch um, in, <laughs> he's in action. See, he's a he is not that Ultron is um, CGI. So you should know that. <laughs> no, dude, this it. guy, he like James Spader did all like the movements like he he went all in for this, dude. This wasn't just a voice, although they did like. His voice is so creepy. They let him just do his. They were like, "No, no, no! Don't put anything on it. Just talk." It's funny how you got like on one it. fact very right, surprisingly, and then one fact terribly wrong. No, just no, for I'm, anybody, I'm right on both facts. No, you're not. So, <laughs> yeah. just to mention for anybody who's listening to the podcast, real quick, he did actually do the motion capture on set. They right. did the whole like red eyeballs hanging above his head on like little doingly things. So he did do that, but the voice did have a mechanical tint. That was well, added. that's what I'm saying. But they he used his natural voice, and then they put the tin on it. That's why. Are you, <laughs> why are you, who are you mad at? And then just, also he used steroids. Oh my god! Uh, I feel like Pete saying this baseball player is great, but I can't believe he used a bat. <laughs> <laughs> why did he just use his arms to hit the ball? Yeah, uh, James Spader is he, great as a villain. So I think creepy. he's awesome he's as Ultron. Gotta... I do want to mention before we get too far, probably the elephant to the room. I'm sure people know this, but it is written, directed by Joss Whedon, whose reputation has not grown, I would say, uh, over the oh. time since Age of Ultron. <laughs> wow. And That's if the... anything, it feels a little bit like this movie was kind of a turning point because there was all this reported behind the scenes friction with Marvel. He talked a lot about how impossible this movie was to make, how difficult it was, how it really wrung him out. And then there were a lot of 
harassment uh, accusations and other things that came out over time, over the past couple of years. So I, I will say, as somebody who used to be a fan of Whedon, that aspect of it does make it hard to watch, particularly with certain... There's a lot of quipping going on. There's like a lot of classic yeah. weeded quipping. So that sort of thing does make it a little bit difficult. Jamie, you look like you want to say something there. Yeah. My favorite sh- top two, number two shows of all time are Buffy and Angel. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's Oof. nothing I love more than those shows. And so I really grew up a huge Whedon fan. And and maybe that's why like this movie, I, I still, it's easy for me. I, I'm like, it's separation. Now if, I'm not going to watch anything he ever makes again. Because it's like ruined. But if he's already made it and I loved it before we learned he was an asshole, then I'm. Then I'm oh, interesting. It's, yeah. It's in a little bubble of. Uh, well, no, okay. I mean, I think that's something that gets talked about a lot in terms of separation in the art and the artist. And I firmly believe that's a very personal thing that you need to decide for yourself. So I, I do think it was an interesting thing rewatching it this time. Having that reaction to some of the quips and some of the dialogue that feels like, uh, I don't know if the character would necessarily say that, but certainly Joss Whedon would write that sort of thing, even if it's a funny joke. But the part where I do think, not to give him too many big ups, but clearly he's much more interested and I do think excels a lot. The two best characters in the movie to me are Ultron and Vision, who are these very two extremes of the stuff that Whedon likes to write, which is the very quippy over maniacal villain who's very aware and one one or two steps ahead of everybody, which is Ultron, and then the other this philosophical musing about our place in life, which characterizes Vision, and both of those things in the movie work very very well. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the um, sort of Firefly Serenity uh, spectrum of liking Joss Whedon, and you hear lines that sort of sound like those lines from those projects. Like just watching it, uh, rewatching it now, you can just hear them. And so, like that took me one step out of the movie, and then took me one step closer to Joss Whedon. And I was like, uh, let's not get into all that <laughs> stuff. Um, but I agree with you. Like this, this movie does the dance of. T- taking so much complexity and it shows it's uh it shows the scaffolding a little bit um in in the middle in a couple of the middles of this um longer movie uh but it does hang together and when the characters are being quippy it sort of works for almost all of them i think i feel like one thing that i like Taika always gets all the credit for making Thor funny, but Thor has some goofy moments in this movie that I think that people forget. Like when he, when he says the line about Hulk victims and a couple of other things like at the party. And I, I I think that uh, people think that like Thor was completely changed in Ragnarok and he wasn't, he always had his little moments. He's just now that's his whole thing. I agree completely. I think this, this movie had the big step out of him being so self-serious. Like, I feel like they turned it on him a little bit. The moment when Cap's reaching to pick up uh, Mjolnir and you see him be like, whoa, whoa." Uh, it was great. And like, that's exactly what I feel like Taika sees Don and just made the whole thing. Well, I think not to get too far afield with this, but part of that at least was Chris Hemsworth realizing he was allowed to be a funny guy because he is a very funny guy. Very frustratingly, he can, you know, you can't be both handsome and funny. Choose a lane. Perfect man. I'm just saying. (laughs) But uh, he is funny. And I think this was part of this evolution. Like we're saying, he also has in my mind, one of the. I think you were touching on this earlier, Justin, but one of the like wonkier parts of the movie in terms of shoving in the Infinity Stones thing to the point that 
I think you can watch this on Disney Plus. There's a deleted scene where he gets taken over by the Norn Queen, I think it is, and is talking about the destruction of the world and the Infinity Stones. And it was so weird and so off everything else that was going on. They cut it out and just made that one still kind of weird scene of him hanging out in a pool with Stellan Skarsgård. But yeah. They gotta, they gotta do that, right? Like they're still, they're continuing the story of the MCU. They're laying the groundwork for everything that's gonna come before. So they don't want people to watch it and be like, "You forgot about that Infinity Stones thing." That doesn't have anything to do with it. I think. Yeah, and that, like this is uh, we forget now, but this is where it really was first fully told that this is it. This is what we're doing, and we're doing it soon. Yeah. And um. I, the ghost of my younger self was like, you really liked this moment because the, <laughs> the, looking at it now, it's like this whole scene in the pool seems like such a superfluous, unnecessary side trip. But it actually was just an epic uh, fan service moment that laid the groundwork going forward and something that Marvel doesn't really do anymore. Yeah. Well, what do we talk sucker, about? I'm just like Stellan's here and I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yay. I get to see him. Uh, there was actually, I mean, just to mention while we're talking about it, there are a couple of people that could have been in the movie, but one or weren't. One of them, they actually shot stuff with Tom Hiddleston as Loki. I don't know if they've ever confirmed exactly where it was, but I believe it was probably in the dream sequence where Thor is mm. taken over by the Scarlet Witch. But apparently test audiences saw it and thought... Oh, Loki is behind the curtain. He's the one that's really right. controlling Ultron. And it was so distracting to people. Ultimately, they took it out because it didn't make sense. Also, I, I think people probably know this, but there were times when they were talking about maybe having Captain Marvel in the movie. Uh, they ended up not using her because they didn't want to just throw her in there without, you know, casting her or having a backstory or anything. So they yeah. actually used the plates that they had developed for Captain Marvel floating in at the end of the movie and replaced her with Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch in that Avengers moment. At the end, and Spider Man was the other one that just didn't work out. It, it did the deal didn't good, work out better, on time. Better, better. Yeah, better. absolutely. It, it it all worked out in the end. It's all fine. Uh, but I want to talk about some of the specific characters. We touched on this a little bit already. But why don't we start with Ultron? We presented some opinions on it. But what do you think about Ultron as a villain and how he plays out over the course of the movie? Jamie, uh, what about from you? I mean, obviously made it clear i'm a fan uh i i I mean one of my favorite moments is when he rips off andy circus's arm and uh and his reaction to that it's just i i i i love that he's a creation of tony's i love that like this is their fault and and we don't and of course the consequences to that were quite major um but i i like that there's like there's no villain but tony in this and and the result is why he's he's just so icky Ultron there's so many things about him and every ever all the beats and I love the way that he gets uh, Wanda and Pietro in there and then they realize like oh we backed the wrong horse this guy's trouble guy. <laughs> yeah uh so uh yeah I, I yeah I think he like great villain the the way that they make Ultron so human like the moment that you were just talking about Jamie where he like has a uh, a little tantrum sort of and then it makes him bad at being a villain for a while and by the end when he's just like flying the Quinjet shooting at stuff it's like this this guy had a plan he's just like totally <laughs> off off plot just like shooting at buildings and stuff at, by the end of the movie and I, I would have never expected that from uh, from an Ultron villain movie I would expect to be like a, this cold calculated thing so that was a just a great surprise and a great turn uh, Pete, you Pete did, did you have an opinion? Yeah, did you have an opinion on that? Did you, <laughs> well, did you I like mean, it? 
you know, the thing is about this is, you know, and I don't want to keep coming back to this, but they like they liked James Spader's take on him so much. Like the fact that he was saying because he's so young, he's he's like a teenager who's just like so young, but kind of so cocky about things. And that's where his like downfall was. He was just like he was just kind of young to it all and making new guy mistakes. And so it was like this interesting take that they kind of like. It, what seems to me is like they brought in Spader and he's so creepy that they just loved every bit of him and were just using everything for the film. And it was kind of like like every choice that he made, they were like, oh, my God, I didn't even think about that, which just affirms my kind of like this Your guy's theory. playing this too good. Your mission statement. Pete, yeah. um, did you like the part when he was like. I've got no strings Yo, to hold stop, me dude, down. Did you like it. that part when no, he did that? That no strings monologue gets me every effing time. Like, I've got no strings on no. me. It's not a monologue. It's a little song. It's like yeah. a Broadway musical. Note. Oh, Pete's right, actually. The monologue that he does when Ultron first shows up in right. the broken robot body, dripping oil and threatens yeah. the Avengers of the party. No so strings yes. on me, yeah. And then, like, Apologies. all the... You know, it's it echoes it out, no strings, and they all turn on, and it's just like the creepiest fucking thing ever. How do you feel about Pinocchio, real quick? Oh, great call. Awful. <laughs> you don't, you hate Pinocchio? He's yeah. a cute little, he's no. a boy. Like, the no. character, or like the movie specifically, is anything involved, like if the name Pinocchio's there, you're out? Yeah, it's a, it just makes me really weirded out, the whole Pinocchio thing. Did do you, you like, see what the about version? Puppets? What about yeah. puppets in general? Yeah, nope. do you like puppets? No. Nope. No, I don't. Mm. The original uh, robots, Pete says, puppets. <laughs> <laughs> the scary, the yeah. AI, the yeah. original AI. I I know I already said this, but I love Ultron in the movie. I think he's fantastic on the total opposite exactly. of Pete. I think James Spader's delivery on everything is so great. The, he really does actually make a lot of these lines work, even things like, I'm forgetting the exact line, but where he talks about, what are those little humans called? Uh, children. Children. Yeah, it, it's um, great when he does oh, it that. It slipped my mind. It's because he doesn't good care. It's literally the only person that I could do. Oh, it's so creepy. Yeah. Do you I feel to... strange that Alex can crush a Spader impression, Pete? <laughs> does that <laughs> line that line stuff up for you? Maybe? I go to blacklist conventions all the time. I bet you do. <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's fun. It's, yeah. Mm, no, not that fun. The uh, the other thing that I'll mention about him, and this uh, kicks it maybe over to Vision a little bit, the next character that I think we should talk about. That scene Please. at the end of the movie in the woods where they face off is one of my favorite scenes of the oh, MCU. Yeah. Just scene. having that as a quiet after this enormous action scene at Sokovia, having them just talk about the future of humanity and vision, giving this mission statement of, yes, they're doomed, but they're going to try anyway. Like that's literally like the mission statement to the movie. That's what the Avengers are doing here as Sokovia is rising out of the ground and ending with that little joke of him saying, well, of course, I was born yesterday with Paul Bettany's little smile at the end. It's great. Just well, that's what we, great. that's what I want. I mean, Paul Bentley as vision is such an amazing and like from the first, you know, well, not the first one, the second one where Paul took over for the Iron Man kind of robot voice. Like the thought was, oh, my God, I wonder if this is going to if he's going to turn into it. And it, the fact that we got to see vision and it happened the first time for me, the geek in me was like, oh, I called it. Oh, this is amazing. It's amazing. Do you think, this is a question, do you think they cast a handsome man 
as uh, the voice of Jarvis knowing that it would be Vision, or it was just lucky break? Lucky. No, I think Absolutely. they... I think they were smart enough to be like, in case this grows into this very popular character, like, why not have it be Paul? Only cast handsome voices. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Jamie, what do you think about Vision? I, I think about this constantly. I think that in any franchise ever made, I don't think there's ever been an, a more insane journey that an actor has had than Paul Bettany. Uh, I think that it was like, Paul Benny is famous. He's got this good voice. Let's make him Jarvis. Great. It was 2008. We don't know what's going to happen. And then jump to, to 2015. He's Vision. I genuinely don't think they knew that was coming, at least not in 2008. And then to jump to WandaVision and you're doing goofy sitcom Dick Van Dyke uh, magic weirdo shit. And like, it's just insane. And now he's going to get his own show. And like, I, I'm just so happy for him. I think he deserves all the goodness that's coming to him, but I don't think it was planned at all. Yeah. Yeah. But it's great. I also find it interesting, Pete, that you hate Ultron and are terrified of him. Vision, you're like, love, no, no, love. Also, almost the same, basically the perfect um, other side of the coin. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, given something that scares me, keeps me, but also something that comforts me so much. It's It's very funny to make love heads, but be terrified of tails. Exactly. (laughs) Flipping a coin. I'll also say, I think the way that they do this whole Vision Ultron story points to one of the strengths of the MCU that we've talked about a lot on the podcast, but just the idea that they don't feel beholden to the comics, but instead to the spirit of the comics. And the idea that they didn't feel like, oh, we got to bring in Hank Pym here, even though he's going to be an Ant-Man and make that work. We're, you know, going to work in like go hardcore on the Scarlet Witch vision romance. Instead, they just have little notes of it there as they're kind of looking at each other. He comes out of the the casket or whatever you call it, and she's just like... The cradle. Cradle, Alex. sorry. Comes the out of the casket. cradle. <laughs> what kind of scientist the makes it their great creation oh in a God. casket? It's a vampire. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, that's vampire time. Uh, yeah, just the, they have those little notes, but it, like Jamie was saying, letting it come from the characters we already know, Bruce Banner and Tony Stark, makes so much more sense and works so much better. And having that line of succession still there, which we know and love from the comics, but coming up with a new riff on it, I thought was great. It's good stuff. Uh, why don't we jump to one of the more controversial aspects, which, JB, I know you said you love, but uh, curious to hear you talk about it anyway. The Bruce-Nat relationship, the romantic relationship. Oh, man. You're very mixed on it. You seem to like it, though. Yeah, uh, I think one, I, I want to get this out of the way because I think a lot of people misunderstand something she says in that bedroom scene where they're at the Bartons. She says something like she's talking about like how the, the graduation ceremony, if she can't have kids and all this, and right. then she's like, who, now who's the monster or whatever. And people think that Whedon wrote that to say like, she's a monster because she can't have children. And he didn't write that scene. Well, it is confusing. The first time it does kind of make it seem like that's what she's saying. It's not what she's saying. She's saying like she was trained to kill so much and that has been her identity so much. And that's why she's a monster. Um, but I get why people like think that's not, that's the opposite. And that's why they despise that scene. But I think if you're really paying attention, that's not what she's saying. Um, aside from that, I just, I like their dynamic. I didn't see it coming. Um, I like, like knowing that Hulk is like kind of like black widow is one of her biggest fears. And then, she turns it around and it's romantic. I really love their, their flirting scene at the party. The bar. Uh, yeah. Like, the yeah. Part where she's behind the bar and he walks up mm-hmm. to her. I mean, it's a little it's creepy sexy. that caps there and he's like, Hey, I know from up close. <laughs> it's a, like, it's a grandpa moment. He's yeah. like, well, you he's like, Hey, I've, uh, 
But other yeah. than that, I love the back and forth. You know what I mean? Where she's opening up to him and being vulnerable, and he's like freaking out about it. He's like, "Oh, but, but what would he do? What 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 would he do wrong?" You know? And she's like, so "Nothing." Weird. Oh my god! Yeah. And I know people hate the the "I adore you" line when she kisses him, but like, I don't know. And the MCU is so bad at romance. I talk about this all the time. They have terrible follow through. Um, so few couples get a, get their own end game. It's like in She Hulk, uh, Matt and Jen is like the greatest thing I've ever seen. But I'm like. I I have no faith that's going to go anywhere in the future because <laughs> it's like and even like the sex scene in Eternals is the most sexless thing I've ever seen in my life. Like uh, this, this whole franchise horrible. is just bad at this. So like I'll take what I can get and and Scarjo and uh and Mark have good chemistry and I'll, and and so give it to me into my veins cuz it's hot. They're both hot. <laughs> well, like I agree with you. This is by far the most actual sexual energy in mm-hmm. any MCU uh, project. Maybe She-Hulk and Matt come close, but theirs was played for comedy. This felt like they actually did romance and intimacy, more importantly. The the shots where she like is doing her shutdown on, on the Hulk, yeah. where just her fingers touching his giant wrist, there are intimate moments like that in any of these movies. And I just thought I, it's such a, it makes the movies so much feel so much more mature and not in like a sexual way per se, but just like, Oh yes, I, I understand this. And this is something that I can connect with. That's not just like cold. Like I like you uh, characters walking in and out of different scenes. It felt real. I like it. I, it's a bummer. We're never going to get to see more of this specific relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I fall a little more on the negative. It sounds like than the rest of you, but I do think what? at the same time you hate love. I don't love <laughs> love. I wish mm-hmm. I wish it would just stop too yeah. much. <laughs> but know. the watching it this time, I actually felt like with enough distance, I understand logically how they got there, even if it emotionally doesn't quite work for me. Just the wow. idea of taking doesn't it work for you. Yeah, are you saying absence made your heart grow fonder? Literally. Yeah, I think so, actually. Just in the first movie, drawing that line of connection, I understand how when you're sitting down and crafting this, thinking, hey, they had that connection there back in the shack or whatever it was where she first recruited Hulk. Let's follow that through. Let's see where that goes. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate that. uh, Hold on. I appreciate that on the same level as the Barton farm thing, which I think is another controversial thing. But that is something that I feel like, they took a risk there. They took a chance in terms of doing something that you wouldn't necessarily expect with Hawkeye, giving him a whole family, giving him this family life, taking the Avengers and sticking them on a farm for a, a solid chunk of the movie. I understand it doesn't work for everybody and it doesn't totally work for me all the time, but I appreciate the bravery of changing up the pace of the movie at the same time. All right, dude, the fact that somebody has the power to stop a Hulk in his tracks and trim him back down to human size. You don't think there's something more than maybe friendship there? The fact that there has to be some kind of connection to the fact that Banner, in no matter what form, responds to her. You're not none of that. You're like, no, I don't believe in love. (laughs) That was a a good impersonation of me. You should take that to the blacklist convention. The... (laughs) Do are you, you saying, trigger, are you saying, by the way, Pete, just, just to check, this is just asking yeah, for no reason. Please tell us. I'd love to learn it. Pommy <laughs> <laughs> Rubby. Uh, was Alex, are you saying the, um, the vision Scarlet Witch, even the little 
nuggets of it we get in this movie was a more successful romance for you? Yes. Interesting. Uh, it's and, such and a maybe, light... maybe it's because that's what I'm used to from the comics. It's entirely possible that's what it oh, is because okay. I can intuit him coming out of the, what do we call it, a casket, I think is what we decided oh, on. Stop, what do you go out, right? Let me ask you this. What do you call your bed you get into at night? Yeah, what casket. do you call your traveling yeah, okay. coffin that you sleep in? Uh, my casket, yeah, oh. absolutely. <laughs> the, yes, that moment, uh, I liked a lot him rescuing her from the ruins of Sokovia. I liked a lot. That is completely predicated on decades of comic book knowledge. I'm well aware of that, and I understand it. But, yeah, it worked better for me. But to each his own, that is the it's, joy of love because to me i feel like there's no actual connection or uh chemistry or anything i think between vision and scarlet witch and that, please fight me jamie fight me if you uh, disagree um, I, do I, I, I feel like there's <laughs> there's some stairs but otherwise it literally is just him flying in and grabbing her and pulling her out um so like there's i that- don't I, I see so much more in the other relationship I mean, in this movie specifically, it's it's harder now because we've seen so much since. Like, I like yeah. last night it was one thirty a.m. I finished Ultron. And I'm like, oh, I could put on Civil War. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, and like you know we have that paprika scene, like all their cute stuff. And like and I think that that informs going back to Ultron. And there and I think specifically when she can when he's not awake yet from his coffin, uh, <laughs> that she like feels Thank him you. and senses him dreaming. Um, mm-hmm. And I think just those little things. And it's and it's kind of like. What I like, I love slow burn ships in TV because when you go mm. back and rewatch it, you see the sprinkles, right. and I like that. Uh, but on a first watch, maybe not. Maybe it's we're not noticing it. But now I've seen it fifty five times, and I'm like, yeah, right. they're blasting. They're is. gonna have twins one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that could probably kick us over into talking about Scarlet Witch and Pietro, which was a huge deal for a number of reasons, and. It's hard to think about this now because uh, at least Scarlet Rich has been so entrenched in the MCU through multiple movies. But this was a big deal because Fox and Disney were two separate things. They had to figure out how could we work this because traditionally Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are mutants. And ultimately they came up with this deal where we had two Pietros at the same time with Evan Peters and also with Aaron Taylor Johnson uh, in this movie. And part of the deal was, at least here, they couldn't mention mutants. They couldn't mention Magneto in any way, any of that stuff. They just need to give them a full own origin. And I feel like as a net positive, that worked out very much in their favor. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you mean that we that this Quicksilver died? Well, and specifically, I'm saying, like, forget about Quicksilver for a second, but just the, the idea of creating, being forced to create this new origin and tie it to Sokovia, mm. that has paged huge dividends throughout the MCU at this point. That's yeah. fair. I mean, Sokovia, who knew Sokovia would be a word that we say so many times in our <laughs> lives? <laughs> well, what do you, Justin, what do you think about Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in this movie? Uh, I, I like, you know, it... They felt fake evil in the beginning. I was like, wow, they're so like, why are they suddenly on this robot side? Um, And then they but they did the turn so effectively her hearing his thoughts and being legitimately scared and being like, yeah, we can't be with this. Like, I thought from that point on, I was like, nailed it. And then when Captain America sort of teaches them to be heroes in that moment on Sokovia. And I thought that was great. And then it, you see the connection between Scarlet Witch and Captain America pay forward in the next, especially uh, Civil Hawkeye. War. She's like Hawkeye, right? Uh, Hawkeye too. But I mean, Captain America, uh, like in the beginning of Civil War, 
when she's learning espionage, you can tell Cap is like sort of being like, okay, here's what you're going to do. And she's like, okay, I want to do a good job because it feels like there's that sort of mentor relationship. Right, right. And I know Hawkeye and 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 her and Quicksilver had a whole thing as well, but he was much more the like big brother being like, "What are you doing? Get, ah, I could shoot you right now. <laughs> no one would know." No, and this, no. and sort of like, that "What are you talking a, about, dude?" That was a fun moment. That was a fun moment. Yeah. And then he named his baby after him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, well, yeah, so and do you? I'll also, it sounds like maybe I'm in the minority here that I think Quicksilver is ridiculous in this movie. The whole bet you didn't see that coming bit just doesn't work for me necessarily. And it well, is last words. I agree. It felt a little <laughs> like, yo, you want to go out on a little punchline? A callback? <laughs> and granted, I want to die delivering yeah, exactly. a killer callback. How are you going to go out, bro? Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll say the same line from Quicksilver and people are like, what? I'll be like, Quicksilver. Silver from the end of Age of Ultron, which hasn't aged well, but neither mm-hmm. have, and then I'll die. Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> Nothing like explaining a bit as you go. Yeah. Uh, well, people aren't going to get like the ref. Quicksilver as well. So, yeah, so it's funny because I remember when they announced it was going to it was gonna happen, that I do remember, and I, I remember things like, Evan Peters is so good. Uh, and, and it was, and it was weird, yeah, like a so, weird choice. And, but in a way I love him because he's just serves as a prop for Wanda's character development. Uh, and, and we need that. She's my girl. And I am like, and I, and especially, you know, over time, how much, how important that relationship has become. I think Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson's good. Um, I, I have, I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I always, I think it's so funny that literally half the Avengers movies l- l- psych you out, making you think Hawkeye's going to die, and then he doesn't. Yes, like it happens in two of the four movies. Uh, and so, but when I go back, I really like all that arc, and I like their arc together. I like every all, everything he serves in this movie, but like I never needed to see him again. I think mm. that he served his purpose, um, and uh, and he 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 helped progress Wanda. He helped progress Clint and great. Now he's dead. (laughs) Pete, what about you? Well, I mean, uh, he was a big part of uh, Olsen signing on because they had done a movie together and they were kind of like a a package. Somebody read some facts before he got (laughs) out for the podcast. Yeah. So anyway, so the point, the, (laughs) the fact that like we got, uh, you know, them, I thought it was, it did serve a good point of like, you know, uh, these movies, you got to have, somebody's got to die at some point for the stakes because they are so high. Uh, So yeah, I thought it was good for that. Like, um, you know, he was good, but not too good where you'd be upset that he's dead. And it was like, it was tough because the X-Men movies I didn't like very much, but the Quicksilver part was my favorite. I mean, they had like a cool song, guys having a blast. It was a fun time. So it was like (laughs) this Quicksilver was a little bit more uh, hardcore. And as far as fake evil, I really bought his evil in the beginning because when they're saying that, like, we waited two dies, uh, two days to die and we're just staring at a star canister, I was like, yeah, I would want to kill that guy. Yeah, that would really mess with me in a huge way. So I, like, I really thought that the the original team-up part made a lot of sense and uh, I kind of, like, I felt like, uh, yeah, they would... It would harden you enough to kind of uh, be this cold about that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I felt like uh, the guy did a good job. And, um, you know, you know, if someone had to go, I was glad it was him. Uh, well, why don't we talk about some of the bigger scenes, the things that jumped out to us. One action sequence that I love every time I see this movie is the Hulkbuster fight 
that yeah, Tony Stark on. versus the Hulk as they're going wild is great. The way that's paced out, how big it is. I love the joke at the beginning, the Archie comics joke of Veronica being the thing that he's using to shut down the Hulk, or at least trying to shut down the Hulk because Hulk loves Betty so much. But the, it plays out so well and it's so big and so much fun. Uh, I mean, I agree, I agree that that fight is great. I mean, if we want to talk about sort of, all, I think all the fights in this movie are just really well done. The I mean, opening sequence, yeah, come on, is dude, so good. it's one of the most comic booky things that's been put to screen. Yeah. That's a compliment, maybe we we like to give out, but this one is the one that first felt like they understood the flow. It felt like you were reading it because it felt like the yeah. pages were turning as the characters shifted between, and then the slow mo, and they're all like the cover of the yeah. movie, basically they're all lined up. Like it was so cool. So excited. It just juiced up as an audience member. It juices you so hard. And then it gets to be, then we dip into a sort of a little bit of like a lot of like, wait, what's this place? What's happening here? <laughs> so, but the, the big, very beginning, just like such a win. Yeah, I agree. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, but yeah. And then the, the fact that you kind of like get to see the Hulkbuster moment is also such a huge, Huge, just uh, nerdy, f- glorious thing to be to be able to witness on the big screen. Um, yeah, I mean, are we are we talking about favorite moments? Should I br- bring up the Marvel That's... flip and the fact that it was all comic book and it was a really no? Great I don't think you should bring movie. that up. Oh, okay. I, I, just, I don't just, think you should mention that. Uh, all right, yeah, just don't say to, that. Just that I didn't know be, if we were talking. That would be crazy about... for you to say that since you've okay, said it on every point? single one yeah, of these. Okay, movies. Right. Yeah, we're like forty minutes into the podcast. Don't talk about the beginning of the movie at this point. Okay, well, I just thought it was cool. It was okay. a great way to start the movie. <laughs> you start about being juiced and like things that juiced me up. Oh man, that Marvel flip, Marvel all comic flip. books. Come on. Oh my god. Uh Jamie, yeah. what is your favorite action sequence of the movie? Action sequence? I mean, probably when Wanda walks out and decides she's an Avenger ah. and takes down some robots. I mean, so yeah, good. <laughs> call me biased. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, my favorite moment of the movie, though, is the party because uh, because uh, yeah. I like fun. But you know, the Hulkbuster scene. Talking about that, one thing that always bothers me about that scene, uh, it's awesome, uh, is that Wanda is so torn about Lagos for like the rest of the MCU after it happens in Civil War. It becomes a big theme in WandaVision. But that was an accident. She did Hulk on purpose and he I'm, I'm sure people had to have died in that situation yeah, I cannot yeah. imagine that a single person did, like didn't like that somebody had to die but she never seemed to like feel bad about it and that was that was way worse I think than what she did uh in Civil War but just never came up again so <laughs> I, I thought that as well and like this way this the the movie goes so far out of its way to be like look Iron Man caught that elevator with those two random dudes in it. And it's like a whole building went down in the center (laughs) of the city. It was Um, an abandoned building and it very much uh, went directly where the building was and didn't affect anything else. Yeah. I don't know. Lucky. They're just lucky. Very lucky. Also, I want to say that I, uh, of the million times I've seen this movie, I've never put the Betty and Veronica thing together. And you just like blew my mind a little bit. Wow. I never once thought of that and i like i love that uh the uh, there was one other thing that i wanted to throw out at you all that occurred to me while i was watching it this time and jamie's not gonna like this but 
At the beginning of the movie, they go through the whole action sequence at Shuckers. Uh, Tony Stark gets to the scepter and he's looking at it. And then uh, Scarlet Witch does the little mind thing right. where he has the very classic comic book thing. Everybody laid out on an asteroid. Captain America's shield broken. We get that great comic book moment. Uh, is this all kind of Scarlet Witch's fault in this movie? I feel like there's an mm. argument to be made that she gives this vision to Tony Stark, which makes him very upset and nervous and drives him to a place where he fast paces this Ultron program with Bruce Banner, which sets the events in motion. The counterpoint that I'll throw out there, maybe it would have happened anyway, but. That's what I think. I, I'm like, yeah, you could, that argument can be made. I won't, like, yeah, she did. She made a mistake and uh, it led to some <laughs> bad things happening. But like wow. Tony was on the brink. Like at this mm. point, we had seen what was going on in Iron Man 3. Uh, he, he's, he is a shaky, shaky man. Uh, I think that no matter what was going to spook him, something was, and this was all going to come down. I think it's, it's also part of Ultron's, uh, one of his monologues where he says like people of peace create war, you know, like, uh, people, uh, are set on paths and they're kind of like, uh, they're, they're going to do what they're going to do. And it is his worst fear. That's something that kind of drives him anyway. It was just kind of turned up. But it's a it's a valid point to kind of point out, though. Thanks, Pete. Um, it, it, wow, nice. That's what I call a Pete compliment. Uh, it, it is interesting watching the this uh, watching Tony sort of unspool, and that feels like that is sort of the central spine of Phase Two, Three of the Marvel of the MCU. But one dude just being having anxiety take over and uh, ending up really changing the world. Um, and I guess saving the day in the end. I do really I guess like, go to therapy. Is the last like one. it. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge uh, thing. Hey, go to therapy. Um, uh, but I do like it as far as like because of Tony's kind of unwinding when he does get a family and then, you know, is made with this choice of like giving it up to go back and try to change things. The fact that he's so protective of it, it does make sense with his arc. I mean, his arc is really impressive. The ups and downs and all the cookie crumbs along the way. So I really like what they did with, uh, with him for that. Another character that I really like that gets minor moments of the movie, or at least is minorly included in the movie, but still does great, is Nick Fury, who shows up at the farm and then towards the end with the helicarrier. Great moments there. Very yep. fun use of them. Um, I like that quite a bit. I also want to uh, give a shout out. The Don Cheadle moment at the party was like, you looking for this? Boom. Was this hysterical. The whole setup of like he does in front of Thor and Thor's not impressed at all. And then. It was, yep. It's a very fun give, little bit. They give an, uh, him an extra long time to nail that joke at the end. He like <laughs> has one reaction, and a second reaction, and then a third reaction. And I was like, okay, <laughs> we got minutes to spare. Um, I have a Nick question Fee for oh, you guys ahead. about – are any of you Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans? No, I am. Yeah, I've watched most no. of it. Yeah, right. that's my third favorite show I, of all time. I don't partake. <laughs> wow. Uh, but they, they set up the helicarrier stuff that – you, he gets it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, oh, like, yeah. that was when it was, they were really trying to push those two things together. And uh, and because I'm a big Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, that's another thing I really love, is that this movie gets to 
connect with that. Also, um, I think that the scene where um, Laura comes out and, and tells Tony, like, oh, can you fix the tractor or whatever? I think that is the number one clue. We should have known all along that she was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because as they revealed in the end of Hawkeye, because like, why would Nick Fury go up to her and be like, can you go lie to Tony for me if they didn't have a pre-existing relationship? It That's fair. And oh, go ahead. He Justin. also gets called... Um, where Tony called, oh, she's an agent. I thought that mm-hmm. was a funny thing that I obviously on the rewatch is interesting. I thought it was strange. Like, why does Nick Fury need to talk to Tony by himself? He, it's a short like hi, and then they're inside all hanging out in the house. So I was like, what do they have a little private ang sesh with the track? There were some deleted scenes. A little. Yeah, exactly. And it is his fault, as we just established. But you know, there's the bunch of deleted scenes, a bunch of different things that went in different directions. Apparently, there was a lot of futzing with the farm sequences in particular, where they went back and reshot stuff. I believe so. That might have been something that was left over. That. It also was very funny. I were rewatching to hear them be like, whoa, Hawkeye has a house. It's like (laughs) like the people we work with were not like, whoa, you you would live in an apartment. It's crazy. dude. You have relationships with other people. I mean, Justin, if you had, you know, you you live in Brooklyn. So if you had like a separate farmhouse, I might be like, whoa, that's crazy. (laughs) Like if you lived upstate somewhere, you know what I mean? On a lake or something, I would be like, that's fucking crazy. Like, how does that work? You know what I mean? I'll let you know next time I Airbnb something and blow your fucking mind. (laughs) (laughs) Any other uh, notes from the movie that anybody wants to call out in particular? Yes, I just want to, while we're talking a little bit about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like the trailer for this was supposed to, before it was like leaked, uh, uh, was supposed to be right after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They wanted it to be kind of a tie-in that was kind of connecting those things. Uh, so it was he's coming he's going for your job <laughs> I just wanted to kind of he's hungry he's hungry, hungry for knowledge that's a great uh, mm-hmm. while we're given facts about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I believe there was an episode where they explained that Coulson was the one who found the scepter and alerted Maria Hill who told the Avengers so there you go oh nice oh, man. anybody oh, else want to try to one up each other with uh, Agents I don't wanna, of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes wanna... Uh, I mean, I have a giant Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tattoo. I think I win by default. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> Holy shit. Yes, oh, wow. you definitely do. <laughs> um, I won't take that. I was just about to um, make fun of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but now I will not. <laughs> <laughs> I, get it. Uh, I respect it. Uh, but um, if you haven't seen all seven seasons, you also don't get it. hundred percent, I have not. But it's very funny to me that you guys are like, and this show I watch, it's very cool. Tells you how they got this car that shows flying car that shows up at the end. And you're like, oh, you watched all that show and they introduced the car <laughs> because I met the car too in this movie when it flies up. Uh, but you guys are big up in the car thing. And you're like, oh, you have a small exchange where this one guy claims to have found something that I also saw in this movie. Sure. That's very cool. <laughs> Um, it's a couple of things that I also highlight, um, the, uh, that, that up there, that's the end game. Look at yeah. this. They already had it planned mm-hmm. out. This yeah. is the movie mm-hmm. where they were like, let's actually make a plan. Yeah. They're uh, not going flexing forward. on us. Yes. Because I do think the fact that the, um, the stone turns, uh, emerges and is yellow from the scepter. I was like, bummer on that. That was one you want to head a up a little bit. scepter, right? Blue scepter. Yeah, it was a blue scepter that is yellow inside. It, that it continues years later to completely confuse me in terms of the stones. Whatever I think about it, because I'm like, that was the blue. No, no, the blue stone is the square one. 
the yellow stone is inside the scepter. Um, but yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. That and also you got the mid credit scene, the very quick thing of Thanos grabbing the glove and saying, oh, I'll do yeah. this myself. This does feel like, to your point, the movie where they're like, okay, let's get down to business and actually figure out what this story is. Well, I'm sure they it's, were sort of like, we're sick of figuring this out after we've made a very expensive movie and be like, oh, what do we need to fix to get this to be this Infinity Stones? And it's like, that's got to be stressful. Well, but also they've had two phases at this point where they have been playing around and improvising like we talked about a lot. Like that's one of the strengths of Kevin Feige and his team is sort of figuring out things on the fly and uh, tweaking things and being able to change things. But yes, this is the point when fans want to know what the story is and where it's going. So they got to figure it out. They have all the pieces in place. What were you going to say, Jamie? I get so annoyed, like being like really into like Marvel Twitter and stuff. And I really, I get some people like phase four sucks. And we don't know where it's going. What are we doing? And it's like, yo, you guys are spoiled. Like you don't remember <laughs> how long it took for certain things to come together. Like we were deep in when Ultron and we're getting to the stones finally. Like you guys like just be patient. Enjoy each you day kids. that comes. <laughs> Damn kids yeah. today. Damn it is interesting today. though, because I think, even though they didn't know what was going on, it feels more deliberate than the phase forward now. And like, I'm trying to see through the, the machinery here. And I'm like, what is well, the but plan? Part of that is because they've trained us to do that. Like Jamie is saying, like they've, I don't think they were like, there's always a plan. I think they were pretty clear in phase one, at least they're like, we hope this works. And then phase two was like, well, that worked. Now let's try a couple of things. And then phase three was like, okay, we're going to bring the plan together. Like that's, clearly what it was, but they, even with that, and even with that level of improvisation that I think they've been very open and upfront about fans to the point that we're talking about have been like, the plan was there all along. They knew what was going to happen. And they, you interview them anytime. They're like, no, we didn't. No, we were just kind of making it up and figuring it out. But I would argue now they're like, we do have a plan that we are moving meticulously forward on. But now it feels even more opaque and uh, confusing to me as someone who has a lot of passing knowledge with the things that they've put on the table here. It might be – I mean, listen, we don't know until we see how it actually all pans out. But just to give a more positive spin on it versus like slowly building up to this place of the plan with the first three phases like we're talking about, maybe the current phases are something where you look back and be like, oh, they actually did tie that all together because there actually was a plan there. I don't know. I haven't seen it. So then if you then with that, if I'm going to jump onto your positive theory. Yeah. Tell me what the plan is right now. Tell me what you say. The Everybody. I I don't know. I don't know. That's my whole point is that maybe we'll be able to retroactively look at it. We'll watch Avengers Secret Wars and be like, that was phenomenal. They brought everything together. That was amazing. They knew from the beginning. I love it. Or alternately, it might be the same sort of thing where they're like. We're throwing a bunch of stuff out there, trying a bunch of things here in phase four. I'm not saying you know the plan, but I'm saying, like, what are some elements of the plan? Because right now I'm at a loss of what even a beginning Kang Kang is an element of the plan. You only know that because of the movies they've announced, not because of the stories (laughs) that you've been to. Young Avengers seems inevitable. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that's spot on. But that doesn't seem like the main plan, even. Maybe like the second tier plan. Yes. But I agree with that. 
Young Avengers is the most inevitable thing happening, and I'm very excited for that, but it feels like a weird side project. Go I'm ahead. sorry to interrupt. Pete is raising his hand. What's up, Pete? Yeah, I'd like to talk about uh, Age of Ultron. Um, so some fun <laughs> things that... Uh, Man of the people over here. Uh, the, some fun things that I also enjoyed about the movie. Like, we've seen it in other Avenger movies, but every time you have Dr. Banner and Tony together, kind of geeking out a little bit, the whole thing about, like... Jarvis and they first discover this kind of living age of Ultron kind of thing. I just, I, I, there's something about them two in a lab together that is just so geek tastic that I'm glad science that bros. we got it. Yeah, science bros having some fun. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, really great. But also, like, knowing what I know now at the time, I didn't realize it, but like Captain America, like, giving Banner some, like, uh, love advice because he didn't get his happy ending yet was, like, at the time, like, uh, so kind of, like, sad. But now uh, it's different to kind of go back and it's like, oh, don't hang in there, bro. You're almost there, man. But, like, uh, it's uh, it's awesome because, uh, uh, you know, as someone who is uh, pro uh, relationships and love, unlike Zelvin, uh, yeah. to have these kind of like little things going on is just uh, real nice. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's, that's great. So think nice. of him laying down with his true love in their casket. <laughs> <laughs> Any other moments from the movie that you'd like to call out before we move on here? Any other things that jumped out to you? The uh, the whole like kind of Thor drinking magical thing and then Stanley kind of cameo and uh that was just Excelsior. Yeah, yeah. It was just kind of <laughs> dumb and fun, but also a, a hilarious setup that also was a funny kind of Thor moment, you know, that was uh led into Ragnarok. What do we think about Vision um just lifting up the hammer? Oh such a great way just to cut through the crap and to kind of be like, let's go. It was just such an amazing moment. But why was he worthy? Is, is worthiness by your deeds or is it established by your innocence? Because I get he's the most innocent. He was just born out of his casket. But so like, are you suggesting that maybe a baby could lift? Well, exactly. that's what I'm curious about. Is worthy? Do you earn worthiness or do you have it and then does everyone lose a baby it? Or or a like a bit of both. Yeah. Baby or a, a frog is what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. Frog. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just real quick, how do you feel the essence of the human soul? Are people born, born pure or, or are they born evil? What do you think, Justin? <laughs> That's not what I'm, yeah. I, I'm not saying that. I mean, I guess we that does We know false on this, but uh, yeah. do you agree or disagree? <laughs> I'm just saying this movie is telling us something and I'm trying to figure out what it means that vision can pick it up like nothing. Well, I uh, think I, yes, to Pete's point, I think it is, he is worthy. He is a good being synthesoid, whatever you want to call him. It also is just a nice runner through the movie going for the party where they're trying to figure out who can lift it up and having that fun party game to vision just whips it out like it's nothing to Come that on, dude. You discussion didn't have to say it like that. You didn't have to say it like that. I kind of did. But at the end of the movie, to the, uh, what a very fun discussion with Captain America, Thor and Iron Man about whether an elevator, if it lifted up Mjolnir, would be worthy, which is great. Very fun stuff. I'm saying I'm part of the Avengers because I'm having the same conversation. And I know it's like a, it <laughs> satisfies a plot Avengers. point, but that yeah. doesn't satisfy me when I'm asking wow. the question. Well, what do you think? What makes you worthy? I, I th- would think it has to be your deeds. So I don't know. That's why I don't. I always thought it was like you, your 
you prove yourself worthy. You aren't worthy, and then it's a loss over time. So uh, I, because that's what Thor's built on. He couldn't lift it when he was a kid. He had to prove himself and go out there and really earn the ability to lift the hammer. And Vision doing it right away does. I get that it was a just a, a fun way to end that story. But to me, it's like if I had to figure out what are we saying the Mind Stone somehow had worthiness? Are we saying uh, what? I don't know. I don't think it's about deeds so much as like the hammer knows your, your, maybe like your energy of goodness and less of like a list of good things you've done. Like it just senses that vision. I thought it, that, that's fair. Things. Then what's changed between Captain America in this movie and Captain America in a couple movies later? Because the hammer knows he needs it. I'll also uh, throw out there. This is probably on Pete's fact sheet, so I want to don't want to eat his lunch here, like you <laughs> like to say. But um, I believe they afterwards said there's a strong up. possibility that Steve was faking because he didn't want to make Thor feel bad. Like he could actually lift Ooh. it up, but was kind of yeah. playing with it a little bit. It's funny you say that because I was thinking that, but I literally watched it, and his muscles tense up a lot. Like he was. Doing something. It's not like his he was just Cap when he's can walking act. upstairs you saw his, like, sitting old there and being like TV bits that he used to do. Captain Act, bro. Come on. Mm-hmm. Classically trained actors got to. Uh, <laughs> he he, he, he's not classically trained. You saying? Are you saying in the Super Soldier Serum there's some sort of acting? Juice no, I'm saying they you as a classically trained actor should know acting when you see it because uh, like he did those old timey shows back in the day. We had to tour around, do the whole. I think he famously dance. didn't like doing those and was bad at them. Well, uh, yeah, but I also think that's part <laughs> of the reason why he can lift it. And part of the thing for, for me is, is if you're pure of heart, like your intentions are pure. If you're mm. somebody who is not open to evil and that kind of thing is why you uh, can lift the hammer or not, is what I assumed. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Why don't we turn towards our vision board where we look at things going forward? This is a tricky one a little bit because, of course, we know there are several other Avengers movies that came out. But why don't we talk about Ultron? That's one of the dangling things that hasn't necessarily been followed up from. We know from the comics, Ultron comes back time and time again. Do you think there's a possibility that Ultron could come back at some point in the MCU? And if so, where would you want to see him? Jamie, any thoughts? You know, I, I want it so bad. Like, I, I <laughs> give anything to have it. And I, I, but I'm not getting my hopes up. One, I think it was a bad sign that he didn't voice the character in What If. Um, I right. think that he's uninterested. And man, it was stuff not hearing his voice come out of Ultron. I was so mad about that. Um, but, uh, but if I feel like WandaVision would have been a really good, uh, my boss, Jim, kept talking about how, like, he should have showed up as Vision's dad, like, as James Spader, oh. like, at, in the sitcom, <laughs> and, like, that would have been so good. And I feel like if we are ever going to see him again, it would have to be the Vision show. That's that the Vision quest that we're getting, and I would kill for it. I would give anything for it, but I really don't think it's going to happen. Mm. Uh, Justin? That... Well, I was going to say, I bet there's a chance we could see him in some sort of secret war situation. Like, he strikes me as a villain that we've established in What If is uh, multiverse ready and um, would come back as a a threat that very nearly got him. Like, I don't think we're going to see, like, Loki's not going to be a villain. Ultron felt the scariest of, of the villains. Even Thanos, even though he's sort of won... Ultron has always been a little bit more um, capable, I think. I I was going to say Secret Wars as well, and this is just my wish for 
years in the MCU that we get some sort of villain team up. I, I don't like killing villains. I think bring them back, have them do more stuff like we've had Loki do. Oh, Ultron, yes. like I've already said a couple of times, I love. And having a multiverse mashup, whether it is the Ultron from What If or just an Ultron who shows up at some point for something along with a bunch of other villains, I think that would be super fun. And whatever direction they go in with Secret Wars, that feels like a good opportunity to do that sort of thing. And Pete, you would like to see Ultron come back in your dreams, I believe. Is that right? No, like haunting you in your no. nightmares. Hopefully we'll never see James Spader again. Uh, <laughs> James Spader. Like, Man, no oh way. God. I did. I did want to say though that uh, I did. Li- I appreciate the fact that we stopped the movie for a couple of seconds just to be like Wakanda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Wakanda exists. Okay, cool. Anyways, well, it was funny when Bruce got it wrong. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. What did you said. Yeah, it's funny. All right, Jamie. For, uh, before, oh yeah. Real quick before uh, on the vision, we should talk about the vision show that is uh, coming our way, uh, right? Yeah, Jamie, uh, you seem to know a bit about that. Do you want to talk about that at all? I mean, the fact that it's Jack Schaefer, who who was a, a big writer on WandaVision, is uh, very promising. I like that Like WandaVision is getting its own spinoff. Like, Ag- uh, Coven of Chaos is the number one project I'm excited about coming forward. Uh, shocking again, I know I'm I might surprised. have predicted that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the fact that it's this team, um, I like it. Like, with Wonder Man coming, I feel like, we're maybe a little love triangle again. I'm a sucker for that stuff. Uh, so uh, uh, I think that um, I'm glad. I think Paul Bettany deserves more than just white vision walking, going off into the into the sunset in the end of WandaVision. So I'm excited. And I think that Jack Schaefer being involved is a really good sign. Yeah. Do you think we're going to get Tom King's? Is that what the plan here is? You know, it's a little, I, 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 it's a little close because, to WandaVision. Exactly. Because like, like Sparky and all that, like I, I really like that comic a lot. And it, but it, I do think it's a little too close, and they pulled a lot of it already. I think it would be weird to see. Yeah, but it'd be also be. I mean, it'd be cool. It's so dark. Like, yeah, it'd, it'd be yeah. sad. It'd be kind of yeah. sad. The idea of him building an android Wanda interests me as like a version, sort of the 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 other side of the coin. And don't get scared, Pete. Uh, this <laughs> oh, is a two headed coin. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that there maybe there's a way to make that work if it's very conscious of its nearness to it. Well, um, uh, I'll, I'll throw out something along those lines. There's literally no reason for them to follow up on this whatsoever, but there's a little Easter egg in the scene where Tony is booting up Friday, I believe, in his armor, where there's a disc that says Jocasta, which is Ultron's mm, pride in the comic right. book. So if they really wanted to throw an Easter egg to the Faz, that's the sort of thing that they could throw into a Vision Quest series and... It'll be fun. People are like, yeah, they they the Jocasta fan. Land it all the time. I like Jocasta. I'm a fan. I like Jocasta. Of course you do. Yeah. I know. Well, you also like the Helicarrier. So I don't know. You like everything. <laughs> it's hard to rank. Uh, it's all the only even, other thing, baby. All, all even. even. The only other thing I would say is I haven't rewatched um, Infinity War or Endgame since I saw them in the movie theater. Mm. Um, so I'm. I sort of think I haven't forgotten them, but I've forgotten maybe a lot of it. And this movie, watching this, made me very excited to rewatch those in the future. Well, we'll definitely be getting to those sooner rather than later. Before we let you go, though, Jamie, what would you like to plug? Where should people check you out again? 
Oh, boy. Well, uh, write stuff for comicbook.com, but I have my own Marvel podcast, uh, Phase Zero, uh, with with um, with comic mm-hmm. book. And it's cool. We get some cool people. Um, we just got Jessica Gao, the showrunner of uh, She-Hulk. Awesome. And, wow. Uh, uh, my, uh, fucking uh, Michael Giacchino was on, like, uh, talking about Werewolf by oh, Night. So we get awesome. some cool people. Wow. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, and uh, follow me on Letterboxd, uh, because uh, I think Twitter's <laughs> dying, and I'm obsessed with Letterboxd. So I'm Jamie Cinematics on there. Awesome. Jamie, thank you again so much for coming on. And for all of you out there, if you'd like to support our podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube coming out. We'd love to chat with you about the MCU, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. I've got no strings. Oh, Alex, take it over really quickly. That's me. <laughs> 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 <laughs>